everyone. Very good evening on an awesome Friday evening in India and uh, on a rainy Texas day morning. Welcome yeah. to each one of you. Thank you so much for joining in today. And uh, you know we have uh, Jason Bay, who is the Chief Prospecting Officer from uh, Blissful Prospecting. Welcome, Jason. Thank you so much. Hey, I'm excited to be on, man. This this is cool. We get to talk to each other from clear across the world. So it's always exciting when we get to do that. Excellent. Thank you so much. We couldn't have been, uh, you know, uh, you know, happier to have you uh, joining in early from, uh, you know, the United States and uh, sharing your uh, thoughts and your experiences in mm -hmm. uh, prospecting to our audience today. So, without uh, further ado, welcome, Jason. Thanks uh, once again uh, for uh, agreeing to come on uh, Pitch Camp. Uh, you know, we have been doing these webinar series to bring some of the best, uh, you know, minds. Uh, across marketing and sales leadership across the world uh, to our entrepreneurs and uh, sales teams out in India. So, you know, we couldn't have been uh, more excited to have you. I've been following you on LinkedIn for over uh, six months now. And, uh, you, know, I, uh, you know, I see that you have created a very unique, differentiated way in which you share your uh, podcast and your, uh, you know, content out there. So that really caught my attention to invite you on the PitchCamp uh, platform as well. Cool, man. I'm looking forward to it, dude. <laughs> Fantastic. So uh, talk to us a little bit about your background. How did you get into sales and you know, how long you have been prospecting? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you could, you guys, if you're here in the chat, I see a few of you guys. Uh, could you respond, like what, what position are you? Like, are you an SDR? Are you a BDR? Are you account executive? Uh, respond real, real quick. What's your position? What do you sell? I would love to know that. Uh, that allowed me to add a little more context uh, today. And you may be a co-founder. You may be a founder of a company selling. Uh, drop it in the chat. I would love to see what you guys do, and that way I can kind of customize the content a little bit. But I started out in sales, uh, been less, uh, selling house painting services. So I used to go door to door uh, selling house painting services as a college student. Um, <laughs> and that was like my first foray into sales. And that was like really learning how to talk to people that I didn't know. Uh, paint job was about 3000 to $10,000 US, uh, okay. which is, you know, that's, it's a decent amount of money. You know, these people were 40, 50, 60 years old. And I was an 18 year old kid with braces, you know? Right. Um, so that's how I got into sales. And then I led sales teams with them. I was a director of marketing for them. And then in 2014, I left on my own to start consulting. And that's when I started getting into business to business, you know, outbound. How do I find clients for myself? Uh, we started Blissful Prospecting, sending cold email campaigns for people. And then now we primarily focus on uh, coaching and training. Um, but great to see the interaction, you guys. We got Siddhartha. I, I hope I'm pronouncing your guys' names correctly here. He's a co-founder. He's in sales. Uh, Karthik is account manager. Uh, looks like Parth is a senior executive uh, in business development. Uh, Pranjal is the sales team on an analytics company. Cool. So yeah, let me know you guys know in the chat. I can kind of customize the content for you today. Let me know like what your position is, what you sell, that sort of stuff. But that's that's how I got into sales. Fantastic. Awesome. So what has been your experience uh, in the last few months uh, between pre-COVID and post-COVID? What, what are the big changes that you have seen, one in your business and also for some of the uh, you know, customers' businesses that you have been coaching for? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, some businesses have had a really tough time, right? I mean, if you're selling into, you know, anything travel related or, you know, sort of brick and mortar, 
uh, that's been really tough, obviously, right? Um, but outside of those you know, sort of extremes that have been really impacted by, by COVID, uh, what I've seen is a need for more empathy. And I don't just mean like, hey, I hope you're doing well, Bimlesh, uh, and that you're safe, not that kind of empathy. Um, really taking the time to understand what is actually going on with our prospects right now. You know, what I've been suggesting to people and what I found really effective is get like two, three, four, maybe half a dozen of your current clients. So like Siddhartha, you run a business, this might be easier for you. Like get your clients on a Zoom call or use AirMeet or whatever platform that you wanna use. And what we did is we got some of our clients on and we just asked them like, dude, how has business changed for you guys? Like what's, what's going on? Like what's top of mind for you? And then all I did was help facilitate a discussion between them. And what that helped me figure out was, hey, they're really worried about motivation right now. Um, they're working from home and they're worried about like, how do I keep the troops motivated? You know, at home is what our clients were right. worried about. So now I know when I go to prospect to companies, I can say, hey, you know, we got a bunch of our clients together. You know, what I'm hearing them say is that they're really worried about motivation with their troops working from home right now. And I would love to share some ideas with you on how you could keep your team motivated um, and keep them hitting the phones and sending those emails. And then when I can have that language, it makes my prospecting better. So that's All something right. that you can do. Get your clients on the call, figure out what's top of mind for them, help them help each other. And then you get insights from that that you can use when you're prospecting that work really effectively. Fantastic. Cool. So, you know, without uh, taking more time, would love to, you know, hand over the, uh, you know, the screen control to you. Would love to hear your seven outbound plays for all of us to increase more meetings with our clients. Okay, cool. So while I'm doing this, you guys, feel free, like in the chat, you could totally ask questions. Um, I'm gonna be kind of looking over to the side here at my other screen, if you guys are asking questions, um, do it in the chat or the questions box, whatever you want. Um, and I'll try to get to as many of those questions as I can. Um, so today what we're gonna talk about is seven outbound prospecting plays. So my goal is to give you one or two actionable things that will help you send better cold emails, you know, make more confident cold calls and ultimately help you land more meetings. And the reason why I'm talking about this is that, I don't know if you guys listen to sales podcasts. We have one of those sales podcasts. I've been on a lot of sales podcasts, uh, but consuming content takes a long time, <laughs> right? Uh, it takes a long time to listen to a one hour podcast or to watch a one hour webinar um, to figure out like, okay, what, what should I use here, right? And it sometimes can be hard to take action on. I don't know if you've ever watched a webinar before or read a book and you're like, you know, what exactly do I use here in my cold emails? Like, how is this gonna help me get a better response rate from my cold emails? That's a challenge I hear a lot. And ultimately what can happen sometimes when we're in sales and when we're appointment setting and doing all that other stuff is uh, we can feel stuck, right? Where we're not quite knowing what it is that's not getting results for us because people aren't responding to our emails or maybe they're not responding to our calls or whatever it might be. So my goal today is I wanna give you like really bite-sized content. Like these are things that you can literally take after this call, well, it's Friday night for you guys, so you might not you know, <laughs> use it right after this call. <laughs> so, so maybe first thing on Monday, you could use it. Um, it's gonna be immediately actionable. So uh, think of it like a recipe that you could follow. So I'm gonna give you some step-by-step -step things that you can do so that you can make that cash money or whatever your goal is. Maybe it's to grow your pipeline, maybe it's to grow your business, you know, through Siddhartha. Uh, I wanna give you stuff that's gonna help you actually land meetings and make money. 
So these are the seven plays we're going to cover. We're going to talk about permission-based openers, uh, call to actions in your emails, subject lines. We're going to talk about something called question stacking. Uh, for those of you that are selling technology, uh, people that might be resistant to change, you know, to new, to new technology, we're going to talk about that. Talk about some low-hanging fruit and then triple threat uh, sequencing. So real quick about who I am. Um, this is like what I do. I help reps and sales teams who love to crush their quota, but hate it when prospects don't respond well to their cold emails and cold calls. Why don't you drop this in the chat? Just put a yes in the chat if you hate it when you spend a lot of time personalizing something or reaching out to someone and then they never respond to you. Maybe drop a yes in the chat if that's something that happens to you. Pranjal says, yes. I didn't sense any frustration in that, Pranjal. He's like, yeah, you know, it's, it's frustrating. Uh, anyone else in the chat, drop a yes. Anyone else find it frustrating when you spend a lot of time writing an email? And George says, of course, dude. He's like, duh, Jason, of course I find that frustrating. Uh, Parth says, yes. Summit says, yes, love it. Love the interaction. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna really try to engage you guys as much as possible with this. Big Nesh says yes, with an exclamation mark, right? Um, yeah, it's annoying to me too, right? You spend a lot of time doing this and people don't respond and that's what I'm here to help you with today. So the first thing we're gonna talk about is some psychology. So Harshil says yes, Karthik says yes, awesome. Thank you for the interaction, you guys. So the first piece that we're gonna talk about is the desire for autonomy. So autonomy is essentially our ability to make choices according to our own free will. So in other words, if we feel coerced, so if someone pressures us to say yes to something that we don't really wanna say yes to, our feeling of autonomy vanishes. So what does this have to do with prospecting? Well, think about how you feel when you're forced to do things you don't like. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, my parents made me do certain things that I didn't like to do, <laughs> right? Go to bed at a certain time. I had to eat certain things. I had to, in America, we kind of have this thing where you got to finish what's on your plate. So even if I'm really full, I'm supposed to, you know, finish what's on my plate. Um, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, that made me want to do the exact opposite. I actually wanted to rebel. And the reason why this is connected to prospecting is if we allow prospects to have a little bit of autonomy, it works really well. So I'm going to give you guys a cold calling play that you can use. So the problem is that prospects immediately tune out when they pick up the phone and you never get a chance to really engage them, right? If you've ever picked up the phone and the prospect says hello and you feel this like urgency to get out really quick what you're gonna say because you're fearful they might hang up, what that makes us do is like get to the pitch faster, <laughs> right? We wanna tell them right away about our company and how awesome our product service is and how innovative we are and like why they should meet with us. But if we actually step back and give them some control by allowing them to have a choice, the, we actually stack the odds in our favor. So I'm gonna give you a play here. So this is something that you can do. And uh, Vimblesh, I can send the slides to you after this too, sure. if anyone's like frantically writing this stuff down. So here's how you uh, could open up a cold call. This is how we train our clients to do it. And it works very, very effectively. So I might say, uh, hey Vimblesh, this is Jason with Blissful Prospecting. Uh, look, I know I probably caught you in the middle of something, but do you have about 30 seconds and I can tell you why I'm calling? and then you can decide if you wanna keep chatting. And usually eight out of 10 times, people will be like, okay, cool, what do you got? So I'm asking for permission, really kind of counterintuitive advice, right, for a cold call. A lot of people would just kind of try to get right to their pitch as soon as possible. You're actually gonna ask the person for permission. Uh, Sarah Brazier, she's an account executive at Gong. She's the top SDR in 2019. Uh, she posts a lot of content on LinkedIn. I would definitely recommend following her. 
This is a line that she used. Uh, hey, it's Sarah Brazier calling from Gong on a recorded line. How have you been? They like that line at uh, Gong, works really well. Hey, I know it's kind of a weird time to be making cold calls because there's a pandemic going on. You know, is it okay with you if I tell you the reason for my call and you can tell me if this is a conversation worth having? So same kind of difference here, right? I'm asking for permission. Uh, I'll give you one more that's kind of fun. Uh, Adam Beaton, he's an SDR at Lead IQ. So I interviewed him when he was in his first four months on the job and he was doing really, really well on the phone. So I wanted to know a little bit more about what he was doing. And he has a little bit more fun with it, as you can see. Uh, hey, Mlesh, it's Adam Beaton from Lead IQ. Look, I know you weren't expecting me. I was just hoping to try to make your day with an awesome cold call if you have 30 seconds to start. <laughs> right, that's a good one. Um, so Sid Hartha says, so back in the day when I used uh, to RPC hunt for uh, email and APAC, I used to ask for five minutes with the same template. I see it should be 30 seconds these days. Yeah, so you don't necessarily need like five minutes of the person's time right there to tell them why you're calling. The call could last five minutes, but you're just telling them that, hey, I'm gonna tell you why I'm calling. That'll take about 30 seconds. And then from there, they can be like, okay, cool. Like this makes sense, this is relevant, and then you can extend the conversation. So good good point there, Siddhartha. Uh, we got another question. Uh, okay, we'll get to your question here later, uh, Vinkesh. I'm gonna save that for the Q&A. Okay, cool, so those are some permission-based openers that you can use. All right, I'm just looking at the time here. So this is something that you can use on your next cold call. Okay, so, and we may not, Edmund Lesh, get to all of the plays, but I'll send the deck out afterwards sure. too, if, we, if for sure. some reason, time-wise, we don't get to all of them. Um, cool, okay, so prospecting play number two. So soft versus hard call to action. So this is more of an email play. So the problem often uh, that we encounter, and, and again, uh, we're thinking about autonomy here. How do I give the prospect autonomy and allow them to have a choice in the interaction? So the problem is that prospects are super busy, overworked, and short on time. So what we tend to do is make the ask as small as possible. So instead of asking for 30 minutes, we ask for 15 minutes, or maybe we ask for five minutes, right? In an email, we'll say, hey, do you have five minutes tomorrow to chat? Uh, can I get 10 minutes of your time tomorrow? Are you free? Does 2 p.m. work for you this Friday? And that stuff works, right? But if we send six emails in a row to someone right. and they don't respond and we're asking them for time in every single email, it kind of makes you look like a pest, right? And it can be very annoying. So what we can do to mix it up a little bit is instead of asking for time all the time, we can also ask for interest. So at the end of your first email, like the cold email that you send someone, instead of at the bottom saying, hey, I'd love to meet with you, do you have some time tomorrow? What if you just said, hey, are you interested in chatting about prospecting? Are you interested in chatting about how companies like yours are using our data analytics platform to solve this problem? Um, I love any thoughts. Um, any thoughts on this? Uh, open to some new ideas. Hey, would it be a bad idea to chat further? Uh, Chris Von Hune, he's an account executive at Xerox. He shared this on our podcast. He likes using lines like this. Open to learning more. Does it make sense to connect? When does it make sense to connect? Interested in chatting further? And Pranjal says, I use a few of them. That's awesome. Uh, interested in chatting further. Is this a problem you're having? So mix your emails up with these kind of short lines at the end instead of asking and doing a hard call to action for the time, try doing a soft call to action where you're asking for interest. It feels a little less pesky. Right. And do. this is something that you can use on your next cold email. Fantastic. Cool. All right, so we get two out of the way. Uh, pattern interruption. 
So pattern interruption, I'm sure you've heard of if you're in sales, right? Uh, how do we interrupt the prospect's pattern and do something different? Uh, so pattern interrupt actually comes from neuro-linguistic programming. And I don't know exactly what that is, but you probably have heard of NLP, right? And it's essentially the study of how we change people's behaviors. You know, So how do we change their mental, emotional, or behavioral state or strategy? So this actually came from, so pattern interrupt actually came from how do we help people interrupt their own pattern? So overcome bad habits or addictions. And it's a four-step process they use. So it's identify the bad habit. So I'll give you an example. I'm 31 now, but when I was 24, uh, I didn't live in Texas. I lived in Southern California. And I was kind of out of shape, not really taking care of my health, not exercising. And I would get up at like 8.45 in the morning, just enough time to throw some clothes on and drive to work. And my brother, Travis, he's a year and a half younger than me. He moved in and he, this dude's a fitness freak. So he's like, hey, you know what, Jason? We're gonna get up at 6.30 in the morning. We're gonna run to the gym. And then we're gonna lift weights for 45 minutes to an hour. And then we're gonna come back and we're gonna eat eggs and oatmeal and like a really healthy breakfast. And what that did is like, I identified that I had this bad like behavior of not exercising and not eating healthy. And this completely derailed that, right? I completely derailed my daily routine. I installed a new behavior and then I started practicing it. Now, what does this have to do with prospecting? Well, think about when you get stuck in a pattern. Think about what happens when you pick up the phone and it's a cold call or when you get a cold email. You probably have this habit where you immediately associate that with a salesperson that's trying to sell you something. And what do we say? We say things like not interested, I'm busy. We don't even listen to what the person has to say. We're conditioned to say not interested, I'm busy, not right now, call me back later, take me off your list. So what we need to do is interrupt that pattern. And I'm gonna start with emails first. So here's some creative email subject lines that you can use. So a problem oftentimes that we have, let me know in the chat, actually, I'm really curious, like what are your guys' typical open rates? When you send a cold email, what are your typical open rates? I'd love to see that in the chat. So let me know, what is your open rate? When you send a cold email, is it 30%, is it 40, is it 50? Are you killing it, is it 60, 70%? Let me know in the chat what your open rates are. So a common problem that we have is that our prospects don't open up our emails. So what we end up doing is like sending more and more and more follow-up, right? So this is hard, this is 40%-ish, that's pretty good. You really wanna be like between 30 and 50% and then anything above 50% is like huge bonus. Uh, Cathark, or Karthik, 10%. Uh, so this, you'll find this helpful, Karthik, if it's 10%. So what a lot of the advice out there will say is if people aren't responding to your emails, just send more, right? Send right. 10 emails, send 12 emails. And we focus on making it obvious about what we want, their time, right? So look at, this is my inbox. Look at the stuff highlighted in red. Look how me oriented it is. Jason, I'm occasionally afraid. We connected on LinkedIn. I mean, and then look at the subject lines. And then look at the ones in green. Big difference, right? The ones in green are about me or something very unique. And the ones in red are like about them. And then look at their subject lines. We'll help you get leads. Any right. interest, right? B2B, LinkedIn, Legion. These are all really generic headlines that people use. So what we need to do is get creative and be different and make it about them if possible. So there's three things that you can do with subject lines that are pretty cool. So there's this concept called the rule of three, which, which let's get to that one. Uh, so Rajiv Nathan, uh, he has a company called Startup Hype Man. I would definitely check his stuff out, you guys, if you, if you wanna start up. 
uh, look at this subject line. Pretty cool, <laughs> right? So he researched this prospect and found out that they like Kanye West. Uh, they listen to rappers on SoundCloud, which Raj is a, a rapper. And he mentioned something about hummus. So he put that in the subject line. <laughs> so, so it's like what you're trying to accomplish here is like you're putting together three seemingly random things that are connected in the email. So something a little more applicable might be this. So we have a client that reaches out to companies like TGI Fridays or like Tom's Shoes, if you've heard of them. And they want to talk about safety and sustainability. So what they do is they personalize the first bullet there, safety, sustainability, whatever the company's initiative is. They put the company name in the second one, and then they put the year in the last one. So that's like a simple little thing that you can do. Sustainability, yeah. Tom's 2020. So when someone opens that up and sustainability is something they're in charge of, and they see their name, it just looks unique. That just looks way different than most subject lines that people are getting. Uh, Sam Crew, interviewed him on the podcast. He's a sales manager at Extra Hop. And this guy gets 25 to 35% reply rates to his emails. Very, very oh. good. So the way he does it, he personalizes. So like if he opens up a 10K report, if you guys are selling to publicly traded companies in the United States, they use 10K reports, right? Where they put up their initiatives and it's, it's, uh, you know, it's public information. Uh, I saw this on your LinkedIn. So you could say, hey, Jason, I saw this on your LinkedIn. Uh, another one that I really like to use is instead of emailing the person first, call them first. And then when you leave a voicemail, say, hey, this is so-and-so, you leave your voicemail. And at the end of the voicemail, you say, hey, no need to call me back. I'm going to send you an email right now. And the subject line is going to be, hey, Jason, just called and left a voicemail. So that has a really high open rate as well. So uh, Karthik, you got a 10% open rate right now. You might try some of these. Uh, putting the person's first name in the subject line helps a lot too. So I give you some more examples of how you can do something that's kind of uh, mysterious, I guess. Uh, hey, Jason, I was researching blissful prospecting and dot, dot, dot. That's a good one. Uh, the second set of templates is like the area that you help. So you might use like, hey, Jason, your analytics. Or, hey, Jason, lack of visibility into this. Right, so you can highlight a problem in the subject line too that's kind of cool. And this is something that you can use in your next cold email. Okay, so there's another concept that you can use. Um, can you let me know in the chat? Actually, uh, if you're cold calling, maybe put a yes into the chat. Is anyone here making cold calls? Put a yes there into a chat, into the chat and let me know. I'll make sure this is, see if this is relevant for you. Let me take a drink of water real quick. You're getting a lot of thumbs up for the content so far, Jason. Cool. So I started to get some Yes. Vinkatash, yes. Franjal, and sorry, I totally apologize if I'm mispronouncing your name, you guys here. Siddhartha says, uh, Seldom, yes. Vignesh says, yes. Karthik says, okay, so it sounds like people are making calls. So the problem oftentimes is that since the attention spans are so short with prospects, getting them to actually pay attention on a cold call is challenging. Right? They said yes, you can you can give me your pitch or whatever. And then how do we like maintain their attention? <laughs> Pranjal says, yes, you are pronouncing it wrong, but it's okay. <laughs> Thanks for giving me a break there, man. <laughs> um, so what we tend to do is immediately pitch our product and service with a request for their time. And I already kind of talked about this. So what we can do instead in calls is instead of talking about our product or service, let's get the prospect talking. And the way that we can do this is through a concept called question stacking. 
So think about how it feels when a salesperson asks you a question about your budget. So you're going to buy, I don't know, a piece of jewelry or something and, and Bimlesh, I'm in the back of the counter. I'm like, well, hey, what's your budget? Right. And if I ask you that, what are you thinking? Why should I share my budget with you? Yeah. <laughs> so you can sell me? <laughs> you know, what if I tell you my budget and it's really big and then you overcharge me? Because um, you know I have a big budget, right? So when you ask questions like, you know, what's your budget or what tools do you use? Like people are wondering like, Yo, why is this person asking me this question? So with question stacking, you're gonna put context into the question. So a really common thing that we might wanna know, like if we're selling marketing analytics, for example, is we might wanna know if people are using Google Analytics or if they're using a particular type of marketing software, maybe. Are you using like an email service provider, whatever it might be. So instead of just asking, hey, what kind of CRM do you use? And I'm gonna give you an example of Salesforce here is we're gonna stack context into the question and let them know that other people like them use Salesforce. I'm curious, what are you guys using? So it's showing that like, I'm not asking this question coming from an uneducated place. I'm telling them about a lot of other companies I talk to you use this tool. I'm curious, what tool do you guys use? And it's gonna make the prospect feel much more disarmed and not like we're asking these like interview style questions and really invading their privacy. Right, so another thing that we can do too that's really interesting. So in the cold call, to give more context, this is uh, at the top of the call, I said, hey, do you have 30 seconds for me to tell you why I'm calling? Uh, prospect says yes, and I say, hey, the reason why I'm calling, I share the, you know, the reason. Uh, I was on your guys' site. I noticed that you guys are hiring SDRs right now. One of the problems that I hear uh, is that you know, people are really trying to keep the remote staff motivated right now, and I had a couple questions for you to see if you know, what I'm gonna talk about might be relevant. Yes. So now we get to the point where we're gonna ask a few questions, right? So I might ask like, hey, do you guys use Outreach or Salesloft or Mixmax or whatever other sales engagement tool? And then the next question I might ask is a more detailed question. So here's something that a client of ours was using. They have software that automates bookkeeping for small business owners. So what I would say then is like, you know, hey, you know, another thing that I hear that's a big challenge for other business owners like you is like how long it can take to do your books. So a lot of people are like using spreadsheets, they're manually uploading things, and the information isn't always accurate in QuickBooks. Uh, yeah, I'm really curious, how are you handling bookkeeping at the moment? So that's a very different question than just saying, uh, how do you handle bookkeeping? And the person could say, well, I do it in-house. They could say, we hire someone to do it. I'm talking about how manual the process is, and I'm trying to get them to talk about the process and any pain points they might have associated with it. So what you can do, again, is you can stack the challenge before you ask the question. So if you're selling analytics, it might be, hey, you know, a big challenge I hear other you know, marketing professionals share with me is that you know, they're using a lot of different tools and sometimes it can be hard to get all of the data in one place. So they have to download stuff through spreadsheets and create their own you know, sort of reports and analytics and dashboards and all that stuff. I'm really curious, like what do you guys use for, for analytics? Right, so you can use something like that. Um, another thing that I like to use that's pretty cool, is you can stack education. So let's say you're selling something and, and um, you're talking about a problem that the prospect doesn't know that they have. So this right. is a company that helps, so in the, in the US there's like the big banks like Chase and you know, uh, yeah, uh, Chase, Wells Fargo, uh, you know, those types of companies, right? Uh, well the banks that aren't the Chases of the world, more of these like mid-level regional banks, 
they don't have the ability to take international payments. So if a US customer uh, is selling into India, let's say, um, they have to go to a big bank to get those payments processed. So in other words, if I reach out to a mid-level bank, they have to send their customers to their competition in order for them to be able to do business in India. So it's really interesting. So a lot of mid-level banks don't know that there's a different way that they could do it. So what they do in a cold call is they might say, hey, well, hey, you know, typically 40% of a bank's customers are taking international payments. And oftentimes those customers just end up going to the competition to get that done. I'm really curious, like, how are you guys tracking your customers' international payments? And then now what the prospect might say is like, well, what do you mean 40%? Right? They're going to start asking questions right. like, well, well, no, our customers don't do that. We're, no, we're working on taking international, like you're going to get them talking, right? So instead of saying, uh, Bimblesh, 40% of your customers are doing business outside of your bank right now. That sounds like very accusatory. That's like if I'm a right. personal trainer and I'm trying to sell you like training, me saying, hey, Bimblesh, uh, you know, you look really overweight. I'd love to be your personal trainer. Like that's not going to work, right? That's like, that's very <laughs> insulting. So you don't want to insult the person. So I'm talking about other banks like them. Right. And I'm going to ask an educational statement. So this is something you can use in your cold calls. Um, I often like using this in emails too. Like, here's the challenge. I'm curious, how are you guys handling that right now? Or you could do this in a LinkedIn uh, DM. The other piece of psychology here, and again, if we're selling technology, um, is that people are very resistant to change. Right. So the concept of resistance to change refers to people experiencing an emotional anxiety caused by the prospect of a transformation or change that is taking place. So in other words, people don't want to change. People are very resistant. Like think about how you might use shampoo or any other kind of products around your home. I don't know about you. I haven't changed the shampoo that I use in like years, right? And if someone said, here's a new one, I, I would be very resistant to that. And that's just shampoo, right? So just imagine how resistant people are to using a different technology or you're trying to sell tech to someone that's like not tech savvy. So a lot of people don't understand that they need to change. They have a fear of the unknown. They might lack expertise. They might just really be attached to habits. And there's a list of reasons why people do not want to change their current way of doing things. And we encounter this when we're selling software, especially, or any sort of innovative service. So again, think about how resistant to change that you can be just in your daily routine. When something comes up that throws you off balance in your daily routine, people usually do not like that. So here's something that you can do if you're selling a technology that's fairly new and you're trying to gauge whether or not a prospect would even be open to the idea of changing. So this is the technology adoption lifecycle. So prospects are very reluctant to adopt new technology. So typically what you have here is, this is from a book called The Chasm, is look at this. Like innovators and early adopters, these are the groups of people that are most likely to adopt a new technology. That's a very small percentage of people. And then you have people that are early majority. These people are like, you know what? Innovators and early adopters, you test this new product out. We'll see how it goes with you first and then I'll test it, right? And then you have late majority and laggards. These are people that'll wait. These are people that might still use cassette tapes and listen to records or CDs, right? Versus MP3s, right? There's people out there like that. So what we gotta do is get better at spotting these people that might be resistant to our technology that we're, that we're selling. So what we tend to do is like when someone's resistant, we say, well, hey, well, let's, let's pitch them harder on the benefits of changing and like how it'll save them time and money. When instead what we can do is just filter out people who are resistant to change. So uh, Bilal Bitrawi, I would definitely recommend checking out his stuff on LinkedIn. 
he has two questions that I just love that you could ask in a cold call. So we talked about question stacking. So maybe the first question you ask is, hey, what kind of technology are you using in this area? And then maybe the next question we could ask is, hey, I'm really curious, when was the last time you guys tried a new data analytics platform? Or hey, when was the last time you tried something new with your marketing? And if the person's like, we haven't bought anything new in the last five years, right. they might not be a good fit for you. <laughs> and that's okay. Like that's, a, that's an okay outcome with prospecting is if we talk to someone and they're not like open to changing, like that's okay. Like not everyone's gonna be interested. So these are two questions that you can ask that are really good. When is the last time you, you uh, what was the last product you purchased? When was the last time you tried something new? And if they say, yeah, we try new stuff all the time. I, you know, I've tried a couple different platforms. That's a person that you wanna talk to. Right. So this is something you can use your next cold call or cold email. All right, these next two are gonna be pretty quick. So we should have time for these next two. Yep, 8.35, cool. So this next one is called the, the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon. You guys may have heard this one before in marketing, but it's uh, also called frequency illusion or recency illusion. And essentially this occurs when the thing you've just noticed, experienced, or been told, it like suddenly crops up constantly. So like think about um, if you've ever bought a car. Uh, so like when I was in uh, high school, my parents bought me a, a Mazda 3 was the car. And guess what? When we decided that we were going to buy a Mazda 3, I started seeing Mazda 3s everywhere. Everywhere, right. <laughs> right, and it wasn't like there was more of them. I just noticed them more. Um, so the way that this happens is, and Siddhartha says yes, is you start to notice this, and it like plays this like kind of game with your head where you like, are there just more of these kind of cars out? Is there more of these types of clothes or products or whatever? And we can actually create that same effect when we're prospecting. So I'm gonna share two low-hanging fruit plays that are super easy to run that I see people not taking advantage of. Um, okay, so the problem is that a prospect's default mode is not to trust salespeople like we talked about. So we go in, I've already kind of alluded to this saying, hey, we're awesome, check us out, like check out our G2 crowd reviews. And instead, what we should do is look for ways to reference mutual connections. So Sam Crew, I talked about him before. So here's, here's one that's really cool. So if you find past employees of your current clients, so I know a lot of you may be working at startups here. I don't know how many clients you have, but I'm assuming you have some clients. What you can do in Sales Navigator is you can go to lead results. You can fill in your persona requirements. So let's say I'm, been uh, blanched, a lot of the people are prospecting into the United States here, right? Right. Yeah, so you can put a United States in there uh, chief revenue officers or whoever it might be. Um, and then what you can do in the company is under past company, so you could change this current to past and you could put in uh, your current clients. So what you might find that's really interesting is you might find people that used to work at the company that is a client of yours now. And think about that, that's a pretty warm intro. Hey, Ben Lesh, I, I saw you used to work for ABC Company. They've actually been using our product for the last couple of years and really like it. Are you, are you curious about how we're helping them? That's a really warm approach. The other thing you can do too is depending on your work history, I used to work for a company called College Works Painting. That was the door-to-door -door company I worked for selling house painting services. Well, guess what? A lot of those folks end up getting into sales leadership positions. So you could put your past employer right. into the search too, and you could look for people that uh, also, went, maybe went to the same university that you did too, if you're prospecting into India. So that's a really simple one that you can use to find 
uh, people. The other one too, and this is going to depend on how you know much of a presence you guys have on LinkedIn. But oftentimes, I find at some bigger companies, there's several thousand people following the company page on LinkedIn, and no one ever prospects to those people. So you could do the same thing: go to lead search, enter in your requirements for who you want to connect with, and if you scroll to the very right at the top, you can see leads that follow your company on LinkedIn. And look, these are people following our company on LinkedIn that I haven't reached out to that would be really good. Like this person's a VP of sales and he follows my company on LinkedIn. I've never interacted with this guy before. And right. again, like that's really, really something he's like, hey, I saw you follow our company. Um, and then that could be the very first line of your email. <laughs> this is something that you can try in your next sequence. All right, last one. So number seven. So we have this thing called triple threat sequencing. You might have heard of uh, combo prospecting. Right. Yeah, and essentially, uh, I would say 80% of the reps that we work with and that I interview that are really good at prospecting use a combination, like use some form of this. So the problem is that prospects have communication preferences, but like how could we possibly guess that someone likes to talk through email versus phone through LinkedIn? So what we tend to do is communicate the way we want to. So if we're good at email, but we don't like the phone, we tend to just send emails, right? And then vice versa. If we're good on the phone, but don't like email, we tend to call a lot. What we should do instead is combine every touch together across multiple channels. And the play here, so Alexine Midwar, she's an AE at Displayer. She uses this play, and like I said, a lot of people use this play. So this is what a sample sequence might look like. So the very first time you reach out to someone, Try calling them first. So open up their LinkedIn, try calling them, and you're probably gonna get a voicemail. Leave a voicemail saying, I'm about to send you an email with the subject line, hey, Bimlesh, just left you a voicemail. And then you're gonna send the email, your cold email, and then you're gonna send a connection request to them on LinkedIn. You're gonna do that all at once. So what I like to look at and think about is user experience. So on the receiving end of that, that's gonna make your stuff stick out, right? Think about the people you're reaching out to. They're probably getting dozens or hundreds, depending on how busy they are, of requests for their time on a weekly basis. So if you just send an email here on Monday, then they get an email on Friday, and maybe you call the next week, how are they supposed to put together that that's you every time? Right. If they have dozens or hundreds of other stuff coming in. So if you could do stuff like this in sprints, so like the first time you reach out to someone is that, and then you can throw in these short follow-up emails. And then the next week, you're gonna do the same thing, but you're gonna focus the email on a different challenge maybe that you help with. So these short follow-up emails, I'm gonna give you another quick hack. If you, the second email you send, don't send another big long email. So you send this first email, two days later, just send a short follow-up that says this, any thoughts? This works extremely well. Any thoughts, question mark. So you can say, uh, hey, Jason, any thoughts, question mark. You don't even have to use the prospect's first name if you don't want to. This is something that you can automate, obviously. But we get a lot of responses to this. This is probably the number one tactic that I see people using that just works so effectively is let's not bombard our prospect with a bunch of long emails. So these short follow-ups, I'm going to send longer email, short follow-up, longer email, short follow-up, longer email, short follow-up. Awesome. And this is something you can use on your next sequence. So those are the plays, you guys. Uh, I'm really curious. Um, in the chat, you guys, can you throw the number 
what was your favorite play? What's, what's something you feel like is your favorite that you could start using and take an action on? Maybe throw that number into the chat. I would love to see what you guys took away from this that you want to start using. Throw the number of your favorite play into the chat. George says seven, triple threat. Vignesh says three. Tapesh, two, question stacking. Par, three, creative email subject lines. Karthik says seven, yeah, triple threat. Interesting, I'll go for five. Yeah, resistance <laughs> to change, that was a good one. Yeah, that's, that's a good one, and especially depending on what you're saying. Uh, Akshay says three and five, creative email subject lines and resistance to change. Uh, Pranjal, three, creative email subject lines. Cool, you guys. Hey, I love the participation. Uh, one thing I'll leave you guys with is our tour. Uh, it, so we have a we have 42 speakers. Most of them have talked, but we're going until October 8th is our last one. So we've had folks like John Barrows, Morgan Ingram is going to be talking. You might recognize a couple other faces on there. Um, it's free. So we do webinars exactly like this. And we it's 100% focused on prospecting. So if you want to check that out, it's at tour.blissfulprospecting.com but it's free, it's live, and we're talking all about prospecting. We have another month of talks left. So if you want some more stuff, uh, this is probably the best way to connect with me and, and get some more of our content. So uh, that's all I got, Bimlesh. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Jason. This was amazing, short, crisp, and very actionable. Pretty, pretty useful stuff. I'm sure there are great takeaways that uh, many of us can uh, apply right away. Uh, hi, Jason. Very interesting. In the engineering industry, most of the client engagement happens through in-person meetings. And given the times we live in, how do you motivate the team to be out at the customer? Um, so I'm not sure if you're asking, like, how do you, you know, like motivate people to continue doing in-person right. stuff? Um, gee, that's going to be really hard if people don't want to do it for health reasons, right? So I think like having a, a way to virtually set a meeting for in-person versus like having to go door to door you know, to meet people, um, I would really encourage them to learn how to send cold emails like we talked about and how to how to use the phone to set a meeting so that they can, you know, go meet someone at a predetermined time versus having to just kind of go door to door and talk to a bunch of people and expose themselves, you know? Um, so in terms of motivation, I think like doing it with them, right? Helping them do this stuff. Like as a leader, as much as you can lead from the front, like that type of thing helps a lot from a motivation standpoint. And then doing more uh, recurring standups. So get on a Zoom call or Skype or whatever you use for this. Try to do that a couple times a week with the sales team and really help them with their challenges. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, Vignesh asks, after a couple of conversations, the prospect goes silent, how to revive it? Um, this is a really good one that I've been working on with a lot of people. So essentially what the psychology there is like, think about, most people don't like rejecting people. So like if you have an experience with a salesperson and you don't like want to continue talking to them, what do we usually say? You know, uh, you know, I don't have the budget or not interested. We don't usually tell them if like, hey, I think your product is really crappy, right? Um, I would never spend, like we, we usually aren't super honest with people, <laughs> right? So know that your prospects, like it's hard for most people to say no and reject you. So we need to give them an easy way to do that. So the way that we might do it, Vignesh, is like, we might send an email and say, hey, Vignesh, um, we had a couple of really good conversations and for whatever reason, we haven't been able to reconnect. And if you're not interested in talking further right now, that's totally okay. Please feel free to let me know. But we talked about this, fixing this problem. Would it be a bad idea if we reconnected? Right. So I'm gonna own the fact that 
that there has been a lack of communication and I'm gonna let them know it's totally okay if they're not interested in talking further. Um, Tapesh, any good tool you suggest to find phone numbers? I like Lead IQ and I also like Apollo. So this is the number one tool I recommend to everyone, Apollo.io, I dropped it in the chat. I check that out or I would check out Lead IQ. Do you want me to get to the rest of these, Bimlash? Yes. I can hammer it. OK. So um, there's one Sachi question said, in the questions tab uh, from Bala. How do, you, how do you win back a customer, an unhappy client, back to the business? I mean, that's a really tough one, but I would do the same things. Like, start with empathy. Um, hey, I know this might be kind of weird that I'm reaching out again, and I know you didn't have the best experience working with us last time. And if you don't want to continue chatting with me, that's totally OK. But if you're open to it, here are some things that we've changed that I think would really, that you would find a lot of value from. Would it be a bad idea if we reconnected to figure out how we might be able to help you? You know, something like that. There's no magic words or template you guys can use here, but empathy, talk to, to them and what you think they're feeling first. So a person that had a bad experience with you is probably pissed off. Right. They're probably frustrated. They're probably not feeling great. And we need to acknowledge that. Okay, so Tepesh, I. I answered your question. Uh, George says, tricks you ensure your email does not go to spam. This is a tough one. So there's a couple quick things. Uh, don't put too many hyperlinks in your emails. So in each email, I try at most to only put one link. And if you're reaching out to really large corporate companies, they have very crazy spam filters. So the first email shouldn't contain any links. And your email signature shouldn't have all this HTML and all these pictures and stuff in it either. Just make it words. Um, those are a couple things. Another one that I would recommend uh, doing, because this will actually tell you what you need to do. So I'm going to drop this in the chat for you, George. It's mail-tester.com. Yep. Check out that tool. Send your email to that tool, and it'll just tell you what you're doing um, wrong. Right. Um, Karthik says, post uh, LinkedIn Connect, no further response on messages. Try emailing them or calling them. You know, Multi-channel, think multi-channel. Like, don't think just LinkedIn or just email or just phone. If they're not responsive on LinkedIn, try emailing them. Yeah. Also, Karthik, uh, for such uh, situations, also try adding value to that message rather yep. than only trying to get something from the customer. Share something with the, uh, you know, with the prospect on LinkedIn so that they get interested to respond back to you. Yep. Uh, Jason, there's one question that went up. Uh, this is from Sachi from IntelliSense. Uh, how effective or easy cold calling is now that uh, you know that is not calling office number? Given yeah, that we I mean, are working from home right now. Yeah, it's definitely tougher. So you can't be afraid to engage with the assistant. Just call the main office line or call into that person's office and ask for help. Uh, hey, Vimlesh, this is Jason with Bullspool Prospecting. I was hoping you might be able to help me out with something. And usually they will say yes. Okay, cool. Or they might be to say, uh, what's the reason for the call? Or hey, is this a sales call? Whatever they, whatever they might say. Um, hey, I've been trying to get a hold of so-and-so because uh, there's something that I wanted to reach out with, you know, this thing, this piece of value. Um, and I've been having a you know, heck of a time getting a hold of them. What do you, you know, any advice on like the best way to get a hold of so-and-so? Like if you could do that kind of approach and you could just ask them. Uh, another thing you could do too is you could say, hey, you know, I've been sending some emails to Bimblash. And it looks like he's been opening them, but for whatever reason, hasn't responded. I wanted to just put in a quick courtesy call to make sure he didn't have any questions. Do you have a way that I could get a hold of him? And usually people will give you like an extension or a direct dial or 
give you their email address or whatever you know that you might get. So that's that's a great question with cold calling. That's why direct dials are so important. You know, if you can get someone's direct line. Um, good question. So that's that's why I would recommend doing. Sure. There's one question on uh, LinkedIn. The approach on LinkedIn would be different from that of emails. Given the word limit, any suggestions on this? Yeah, so LinkedIn, you're going to treat more like how you would cold call. So right. cold call is an interaction. It's a back and forth interaction. LinkedIn is like texting someone, right? And the, if you text, oftentimes we text a lot like how we would talk to someone. So you're going to kind of break up the parts of the cold call. You know, so if you connect with someone, so a, a good thing you can do right when someone accepts your connection request, uh, send them a video real quick. So use Vidyard, BombBomb, uh, whatever. You know, there's a bomb, uh, I think there's another one. I can't remember what it's called, but it's really popular and, it's, and they're based in India. I forget the name of the company. Um, but I would send a video. Uh, hey, Biblesh, uh, I want to introduce myself real quick. I appreciate you connecting. Um, you know, here's, here's, what we do and some of the problems that we fix, let me know if you're interested in chatting, right? And they may or may not respond to that video and then you could respond with, hey, any thoughts, right? So you could do something like that. Um, I like doing the videos. So you could also send that through text or do an audio message. Same kind of thing, thanks for connecting. Wanted to introduce myself real quick. No need to respond. Here's what we do. If they don't respond to that, any thoughts? Here's a piece of content I thought would be helpful. Any thoughts, right? Yeah, that type of thing. You can question stack too. Hey, you know, a big problem that I hear folks like you sharing with me is this. Is that something you ever run across? So LinkedIn is more like, you know, texting someone than emailing someone. You don't right. want to send a big long connection request. The connection request should just be, hey, Bablesh, uh, love the work you're doing at ABC Company. Would love to connect. Or hey, love the article you wrote on this. Or you know, saw this uh, post that you had about this. Would love to connect and follow you. That's what you're gonna do on LinkedIn. This has been great, you guys. It's been super interactive. Sachi, should we send LinkedIn should connect or send... email? Is there any best sequence? I always recommend the connection request. Right. Emails email... look like sales messages. And they also have uh, been deemed to have lesser response rates on the email. Yep. Yeah, so I would send a connection request. Uh, I would think of it as a sequence. So if you're doing that triple threat, you're going to call, you're going to email, and then you're going to send a LinkedIn connection request. Right. I don't like to do a lot of the interaction through LinkedIn personally. I just like to kind of use it as a way to chat with someone. And if they continue chatting with me and asking questions, I can handle the conversation there in LinkedIn. But I really prefer to engage with them in email or over the phone if possible. Uh, Jason, uh, uh, I have a question. Just talk to us a little bit about uh, how do you get over the fear of rejection on a cold call? Yeah, so that's a really good one. Uh, and it's a very complicated one, but um, I would think of a couple things. So I think if you reframe your mindset around what you're trying to accomplish on a cold call, that's, that's where I would start. So oftentimes, like if I ask a group of people, what's the goal of a cold call? Most people will say to set a meeting. That's actually not the goal because you don't know if they're gonna be a good fit and they don't know, because they haven't talked to you, if you would be someone they would be interested in talking to. So if we make the goal just to start a conversation instead of getting a meeting, it takes the pressure off. So my goal when I call from Lesh is just to start a conversation with him to see if I might be able to help him. So if I kind of go in with that, there's not all of this pressure to get a meeting. So it's not a failure if I don't get a meeting. If I learn a little bit about who else might be in charge of making a decision related to that, if or they have a problem or not, 
who else might be good to talk to uh, that they're already taken care of. Like those are all okay outcomes from a cold call. The next thing I would think about is like, you know, most of the time when we make calls and just in general, think about we need this like validation from people that we don't know. Mm -hmm. So like we need people to think that we're cool or that we're okay or that we're not some pesky salesperson. Like these people don't even know you. And the fact that like you don't like getting rejected, it's not about overcoming rejection and getting used to it. Like you're never gonna like getting rejected. That doesn't feel good. That's that's like part of being a, a human being, right? So if we can associate this with like, hey, I don't need this person's approval. Like I'm calling this person, I don't need them to like me. And if they're having a bad day and they sound frustrated on the phone, I didn't cause that. Like they got some other shit going on in their day. You know what I mean? Like they had a bad day. Maybe they're arguing with their spouse or they're having a bad day at work or maybe they're stressed out with COVID, whatever. Like you didn't cause that. Like you don't make people feel a certain way and people don't make you feel a certain way either. So if you can disassociate and not need people's approval that you don't even know, that don't even know you, and just accept whatever happens. Like that's where I would like focus my time and energies on thinking about what can I control? I can control my tone, my energy, what the questions that I ask, I can't control how they respond. And if you just let go and say, I don't have control of that, I'm just gonna focus on what I can control. And if they're having a bad day, that's on them. And it's totally okay if they're having a bad day. That's what I find typically to help with call reluctance. Excellent, thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, I think last set of questions, how to get a senior client to turn active to responding to a young sales guy? Yeah, so a senior person to, I, I think it's all about not how old you are, it's about the value and like the expertise that you can bring. All right. So like if someone called it out and said, hey, you seem kind of young, you don't have a lot of experience, they'd be like, yeah, you're totally right. I don't, I don't have a lot of experience and this is my first sales job. Like you're totally right. Uh, but the reason I was reaching out is that our company does have a lot of experience working with customers like yours. And one of the problems that they tend to have is this. And I was reaching out to see if that's like something that might even be relevant for you. You know, so like, I think just own it. The fact that you're younger, uh, I'm 31. A lot of my competition is people that are much more seasoned than I am. Just own it. Yeah, I'm young. There's a lot of advantages to being young, right? Cool. You have more energy. You might be more fun to talk to. <laughs> Right. Right, so just own it. Like you don't have to hide the fact that you're young and inexperienced. Just own it. And if someone calls you out and be like, yeah, you're totally right. You know, but I'm not the one that built the product. Another uh, question, what's the best time to call Monday or Friday afternoon are typically not recommended? Uh, Do you agree? I, I still call Mondays and Fridays. So people aren't calling on Mondays and Fridays because that's kind of the general advice that people get. So people are actually getting fewer calls on Mondays and Fridays because most salespeople don't make them because they think prospects aren't going to um, you know, be taking those calls. So I would make calls like Monday early afternoon and I would also do Friday afternoon too. And the way that you can do this, you can open up and say, hey, Bimlesh, hey, I know it's Monday afternoon, you're probably slammed with meetings, so empathy, but hey, do you have 30 seconds for me to tell you why I'm calling real quick and you can let me know if you wanna keep chatting? Or hey, Bimlesh, I know it's Friday afternoon, you probably got a lot of stuff planned for the weekend that you're looking forward to getting to, so I'll make it quick. Do you have 30 seconds for me to tell you real quick why I'm calling? You can let me know if you wanna keep chatting. So I would still make sure that I call during those times, for sure. There's no best times. Just try some different times and figure out what works best for you and let the data yeah. tell you what, what when the highest pickup rates are. True. 
last two questions will pick up and uh, we'll get done what should be the upper cap on the limit of a healthy email i'm going to be quick with these cuz i got to run here yes. so uh, the cap of emails oh length Len length uh, yeah 120 words you want to be less than 5 sentences cool last one how do you balance volume of activity versus quality of activity so you got to hit volume right so you you got to find a way to to, to do the uh, both of them but i would try to doing a test where i have a quality approach where i do personalization and then stuff that's more volume based that i don't personalize as much and then test the two approaches and see which one works better and then try to calibrate and find out the ideal you know medium between the two so i would look at it as two different tests that i would run fantastic Thank you so much, Jason. Cool. I know we are right on time. Uh, it's 9 a.m. Love the uh, energy that you brought in. I would love to thank everyone who joined in as well. Great questions, great interactions. And uh, Jason, thank you so much once again. Absolutely. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, thank you for the interaction. I had a good time. And thank yeah. you for inviting me, Bimlesh. Wonderful. Pleasure. Have a All great right. day. And yep. a great Later, weekend. guys. Yeah. Bye-bye.